Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What on earth is a town of 21,000 people doing with two Northern Premier League teams? The club nearly didn't exist because of the man who didn't want to give up time on the pool table. I felt for a few years that we were one catastrophe away from oblivion and it was going to be the floodlights. Um, it was either Ingfield or the merger didn't happen, if I'm being absolutely honest. Everything was stuck in 1976. Hello, it's Daz from Pint of Football with our first of our series of bonus episodes to be released in the aftermath of Lost Clubs. We recently spoke to the good people of Osset about the merger between Osset Albion and Osset Town, and the interviewees from this one were an absolute treat that we felt we needed to share with the world. The first bonus episode is brought to you from Neville Wigglesworth, a man who spent a large portion of his life involved in football in the West Yorkshire scene and continues to do so. I spent an hour speaking to Neville over Zoom about his time with Albion and he had some really interesting views and stories. Thanks for listening and don't forget to listen to the full episode of A Town United, the story of Osset Albion and Osset Town over at Sports Social. So, Neville, to start us off, please could you tell us about yourself, your involvement with Osset United Football Club? Yeah, I was, um, regarding myself, I was born in Leeds to a, a predominantly non-sporting family. Um, the only connection I had with sport as a, a a small child really, as my dad used to take me to the Speedway at Odsall in Bradford on a, on a Saturday night, but there was no other involvement in sport whatsoever. So <clears throat> the first time uh, that really I engaged in sport at all was at primary school. 
um, when I played football for the primary school. Um, and really, it sort of went from there. I, I, I didn't realise, obviously, at the time that it was going to be a, a lifelong involvement, but that, in effect, is, uh, is what's turned out to be. Um, I regard my own footballing career as being enjoyable rather than anything uh, spectacular. Um, and uh, uh, throughout, when I was, I went to Carnegie College uh, to do uh, a PE course. Um, and uh, at that level, I played in the British colleges, uh, British colleges standard football, maintained, fortunately, a first team place throughout. Um, and then the first job I got uh, was in Osset. And having sort of looked at what was going on in Osset, I realised, or picked up straight away, that there were two senior clubs in Osset, but I immediately dismissed them, not because of uh, any other reason, that I was totally lacking in self-confidence, and the last thing I wanted was to be... Uh, to be playing football in the town, being watched by students that I was going to teach during the week. So I thought I'll, uh, I'll just get uh, a little bit further out of the way. Uh, and so then I, uh, I played at Liversidge for several seasons. So <clears throat> Liversidge, Osset Albion, Osset Town, um, back then were all in the same league in, uh, in the old Yorkshire League which was really a pretty fair standard. Um, and uh, while I was at Liversidge, one of the things that struck me, the students at school were finding uh, difficulty in moving from um, junior football into senior football. It was a big jump uh, and there really wasn't a lot of provision for them. So myself and a, a work colleague uh, started a, a Sunday league team which allowed these senior students to play Sunday morning football but it was an introduction into uh, senior football. I mentioned that mainly because it, it probably led up to what's happened since I, I sort of was secretary of uh, of this Sunday league team. I was still playing football at Liversidge on Saturdays myself. Um, but on, when I attended the first league meeting uh, of the Sunday league, uh, I can't remember what on earth was being discussed, but I thought I'd try and make an early impression. Um, and in the discussion, I happened to say that um, if they went down the route that they were proposing, it could set a dangerous precedent for the future. Now, at a Sunday league meeting, I just felt everybody turn round and look at me as if I, uh, I knew what I was talking to. But the item that was on the agenda was introduced by the existing secretary. Me having spoken, uh, <laughs> his motion was uh, rejected. Uh, and his reaction to that was to gather his papers, say, that's me done, and he walked out of the room. So they hastily altered the agenda to elect a new league secretary. 
Now, I've, I've always had a, a difficulty in saying no. And having used this precedent uh, in no time, or, uh, I was proposed, seconded, and uh, elected as the league's secretary. So I really now sort of dip my toes in the water of football administration, both at club level, albeit only Sunday league, but also with a league which had, I think at the time, something like 48 uh, clubs. And I, I sort of stayed there for uh, around about 10 years, I think. Uh, I played um, again at, at Liversidge, uh, latterly. Uh, I, I developed two strategies for keeping place in the team for longer than perhaps I ought to have done. Uh, one was that I kind of, um, when I was at work, made myself use my left foot. I'm naturally right-footed. And so I sort of became a, a half-decent left-footed player because I realised you'd far more chance of getting inside if you're a left-footer because there weren't as many of them around. And, and the manager is one of these absolute stickler for balance in his side. And I thought, I can balance this up by being left-sided. The other thing, I was fortunate being a teacher. Uh, I was fortunate at the time to have a car. And that nearly always, back in those days, not many people had cars as perhaps now. So that nearly always guaranteed you a place at least on the team sheet, uh, if not in the start in the 11th. So that was my... Uh, Liverpool's career. Um, when it came to Ossie Albion, uh, it was about 1979, I think. The club were going through a difficult time. Um, they were looking for a new chairman. Um, I'd like to tell you that I was headhunted. Uh, I, I think that would be stretching the truth to a degree. Uh, I think really they tried everybody else with uh, little success and then approached me to step in at Osset Albion uh, in the Yorkshire League as chairman. Now, I was only 33, um, and I'm naturally lacking in self-confidence. This is a big, it's a big ask for a 33-year-old whose total experience today in administration was with this local Sunday League. I took ages and ages to make the decision. I think before I was, I was grandstanding, but I wasn't. I really did uh, think it through. And uh, in the end, uh, I found myself again unable to say no. Uh, and so I was elected chairman back in uh, around about 1979. Um, one of the uh, other things that I thought it did strike me at the time that. I quite fancied when I'd finished playing, moving into some form of administration in the game. Um, and when I got the opportunity really to start at Yorkshire League level with a club of uh, as prestigious as Osset Albion were, I thought this might be a uh, an opportunity too good to miss. And it might be one that only comes along, um, you know, once in a, maybe even once in a lifetime. So, um, I took it on, uh, was there for 30, just shy, I think, of 30 years. Um, and I, I quickly sussed out that the playing side 
would have to take care of itself. And I was dead lucky in that I appointed a manager who was really, really good. Success on the field came uh, and we weren't paying any wages, not even traveling expenses at the time. And to compete at that level, you know, was, was out of the ordinary, very much out of the ordinary. But I realized that it wasn't just on the pitch that mattered, that if we were going to progress, we were going to have to do something um, with the ground. So a lot of the time was spent on, uh, on ground development. Um, a, 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 a lot, as I say, was done on very, very limited resources. But the only way, if we were going to progress, was to uh, was to develop the ground. Um, I'm glad I took it. Um, you know, it gave me a lot of satisfaction. But the thing I made an awful lot of really, really good friends along the way, and I'll, I'll sort of remember that in whatever time I've got left. Um, I, uh, I probably thinking about it hung on too long. I, it wasn't that I wasn't prepared to um, put down the reins and step back. I was, but only if we could find someone who would come in, treat the club with the same sort of respect that I think I did, and, and move it on. Um, I think we'd, we managed in that time to develop a reputation for fairness and decency reliability as a club and I just wanted that to uh, progress but I don't know what it was but somewhere along the line um, somebody asked me a question I don't know what it was it was something like well why do you do that and my answer was well, because we've always done it like that and I could have bitten my own tongue off halfway through the answer because it wasn't an answer and at that point I realized that we weren't going any further. And so uh, that hastened uh, my desire to step down, let somebody come in and, uh, and take, the, the, uh, take the club on. Um, once I'd stepped down, um, what I didn't want to do, well, firstly, should I say, I did want to stay involved in the game. My preference was to stay with us at Albion, but I didn't want to be part of the uh, board or, or committee because I always felt it would be awful, really, for whoever succeeded me to have me there. You know, I could just see myself saying, when I was chairman in my day, and I just didn't feel that was going to be helpful, helpful at all. So I did really uh, take a, a step back. Um, I became a kind of club ambassador, which is a really fancy term for the tea boy. Uh, I became the person who uh, met and greeted visiting clubs, provided uh, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee beforehand, half-time refreshments, looked after them in the bar afterwards and... Uh, at this stage, I really found I'd found my niche in football. It took me 30 years to do it, but I think that was, uh, that was where I was going. And the other thing, when I did finally step down, it 
I thought it'd be a wrench, but it wasn't. It was a relief. Um, you know, it's not easy um, running a semi-professional football club, particularly when you've reached a level where your resources can't match expectations of supporters. Uh, so stepping down at that time really came as a relief to me. And, and the great thing is, is that you, you still manage to stay involved with the club. You still have um, that sort of sense of being a part of your local community, your local team, but making the tea or, or doing the role that you did comes well, with less pressure, <laughs> less, less pressure than, uh, than being in charge of the whole thing. Yeah, and later on, when we, when we did start paying wages, I had a treasurer who had a habit of sending me text messages at one o'clock in the morning, uh, usually on a Thursday, saying, uh, I need a thousand pounds, it's wages on uh, on Saturday, and I just used to go cold. Um, once I'd stepped down, I could, uh, I could then get a decent night's sleep. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, sorry, it, the other thing, uh, I was, I was, yeah, I was fortunate enough, um, when during my time as chairman at Albion, I uh, particularly when they got, when we got into the Northern Premier League, after a few years, I was uh, elected onto the board of directors there. So I would have had a fallback, but you know, a, a meeting once a month or whatever wasn't as much I was looking for. It was that club involvement that often professional England managers said they miss the everyday involvement and that would have been the case with me so that's yeah. what happened great now that's such a really good story and uh, you literally have gone through basically most if not all of the jobs from player upwards and then back down again um and you'll have seen so many different things from the playing side from the uh, backroom side from the match day side and i think the great thing, and this is the reason we're doing this podcast, it's because the story you have to tell is a lifelong commitment to a football club. And that's just something that is is really commendable, I think. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Do you think the clubs made the right decision to merge into one club? Um. I'd like to think I was a, a visionary when I first took over at Albion. Uh, I'd only been in the role for a matter of months, really, when um, we played Osset Town, as we did at that time. You know, the, there was the obviously there's always been a rivalry. My opinion that got more friendly as time went on. I think when you go back in time, it was. Uh, uh, a little uh, less amicable. But I was, I was talking to um, the uh, one game to the Osset Town chairman. The first time I've met him he was an elderly gentleman then, highly, highly respected. And uh, I don't know how it came about, but anyway, we arranged to just get together and have a chat. And it happened one Sunday morning. Uh, I went round to his house, very civilised. Uh, coffee, cakes, and uh, just a general chat. I think, I, I never really asked the question directly. I think we both knew why we were there. 
but we we sort of skirted around this question of a merger certainly i never tackled it head on or as bluntly as to say what do you think about merging i didn't i'd only been in the position for a matter of months again it was this self-confidence thing i didn't think it was my place to be uh, to be pushing that agenda uh, particularly when i didn't know what sort of response i was going to get uh, but we we did talk and that's that's over 40 years ago now um, and the sort of things that the thing that I, I probably would pick up on most with my t-boy atom every chairman in the yorkshire league the northern counties east league and ultimately in the northern premier league used to come into our boardroom and say what on earth is a town of 21,000 people doing with two Northern Premier League teams. How can a town support two teams at Northern Premier League level? Um, and obviously it was a simple question because I don't think the town ever could really support two teams. Our Gates said that, you know, Albion, well, both would hover around 130, 140, which really just isn't enough if you've got aspirations to uh, to move up. So uh, it, it wasn't, the subject really wasn't brought to me. It was obvious that both me and John uh, knew why we were there. We just never really got around to pushing it. And I think it probably needed uh, a fresh set of eyes to look at the thing and somebody who wasn't as entrenched or embedded or emotionally involved with their respective club, be it Albion or town, I think it needed somebody to coldly look at that and say, this seems to be a good idea and, and let's pursue it. Um, so, um, the other thing I would say about it is that in certainly Yorkshire League and Northern Counties East League terms, both Albion and Town have quite successful periods. But latterly, Town did have a really good run of promotion to the Premier Division only about four years ago. But from there on, um, like the aspirations at the start I'm, I'm speaking personally from albion now right because i can't speak across the town but the aspiration was to survive it, it wasn't really we never looked at um, even though both clubs at one time didn't make the playoffs i think town got to within about two minutes of uh, a clinching uh, a play uh, a promotion place um, we Albion made the playoffs, but um, it never looked likely. Uh, to tell you the truth, as a chairman of the club, I'm glad it didn't, because if we were struggling at, uh, you know, at Division One level, goodness knows what it's like in the Premier Division. It, it brings to light a similar story of the last six, seven years of um, North Ferriby, of course. Um, and they went up and up and up the leagues all the way up to the conference. And then in the end, it ended in tears for them, didn't it? 
Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, and I imagine they were a similar size club. Well, they, they were, and, and they now again are now smaller than than Austin. Yeah. And, and just sort of to to answer, uh, I think um, to answer your question, I got the feeling that we had a town with two clubs that were sort of aspiring to survive rather than to really succeed. I hope I'm not being disparaging about town, but I can say about Albion, we were hanging on. Um, and, you know, it, football loses its enjoyment when the best you can hope for is just to stay up. And I think it was important to stay up for both clubs because um, certainly the, uh, the Northern Premier League is a lot easier league to get out of going downwards than it is to get back up to and I, you know it, I, I felt that if either of us faltered it was going to be a long long road back and if I can if I can mention it that of course had a serious knock-on effect when um, when a merger was first um, noted because the FA rules say that should two clubs merge then they have to take up the position in this in the pyramid system of the lower club. So if we, we were sweating at Albion because at the time when the mergers talk started, we were bottom. Yeah. The new owners were coming in uh, and we knew that the whole merger, which I think we agreed with, could go belly up if we got relegated. And so actually, you know, getting away, we ended up in mid-table in the end, but nevertheless, it could have been a real problem, a real stumbling block uh, on the merger. A, a sub-question then, do you think, honestly, the merger would have happened had Albion gone down that season? I don't think I can answer that. No. Um, I don't think I can answer that because it, it would the 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 onus really would have shifted onto Osset Town. Then, do we want to do this? And they, like me, um, would have known that the Northern Premier League was easier to fall out of than it was to get back into. And the other thing is that being sort of in the in the know at Elgin, I felt for a few years that we were one, uh, I'll call it a catastrophe, but we were, we were just one catastrophe away from oblivion and it was going to be the floodlights. They, they were, you know, the floodlights were failing, they were poor, uh, parts were getting more and more difficult to come by. We'd ex exhausted ourselves really upgrading facilities and I'm not sure there was the heart of the desire for another push for something as big as replacing floodlights. And had that occurred, then I don't know what would have happened. The other thing I know is that I would have hated Frosty Albion to actually um, go out of existence on my watch. So the, the merger helped me, if, you know, in that respect. 
What was it like being at the club during the merger and in particular on the famous night of the vote? Um, <clears throat> again, I, I can't speak for supporters, other people. I can only give you my perspective uh, on the issue. I was, I was certainly in favour of the merger. Throughout the negotiations prior to that happening, um, there were meetings uh, by the new owners with supporters at Osset uh, Albion, with supporters at Osset Town. I think it was, it was a, a shrewd move to keep supporters involved and let them know what was going on. Whether or not they'd have a major influence on the final decision, I don't know, but at least both sets of supporters couldn't say they weren't consulted. And I think that was a, a really good move. The, the other thing with, with me, as I've, I've just explained to you, I got the feeling that we were merely surviving. Um, I've never asked anybody at, at you know, former Osset Town what their views were, but I just felt we were merely um, surviving. And like I explained to you, football's not, <laughs> it's not much fun when you're struggling to survive. And the merger presented all sorts of new possibilities. For me, expectations were raised, not least that I didn't have to take, have any responsibility. I could just sit back and watch what happened. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it wasn't everybody, it, it, it wasn't unanimous on both sides. I'm not daft enough. Uh, to think that. I mean, you just, you, you can't please all the people all the time. But su football supporters have their allegiance. I understand that fully. But supporters don't always have the information about how near the line the club is. And I think, you know, it, it couldn't be um, purely a supporter's decision. I was, in the end, it was, um, but I think the groundwork had been done, you know, to explain all the positives and perhaps emphasise a few negatives as well. So, um, I, I for one, uh, by the way, I, I was actually wasn't at the vote, um, but uh, uh, when 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 that came through, I was pleased uh, that that was the outcome, and it certainly gave me a lift. You know, it, it, we, we, it, I felt that as two clubs, we started to uh, look forward rather than look back on perhaps past glories. Yeah, I think that the most positive way to look at it from a fan's point of view, and we are going to move on to the fans in a sec, is don't see it as your club being ripped apart. See it as a fresh start to progress. And I think if you look at it like that, it can only be good. You've absolutely nailed what you know what my what my perspective of the whole scenario was. I I think the alternative I'm not sure bears thinking about because as I've said, I don't think that Albion were very far from certainly slipping out of senior yeah. pyramid football. Yeah. 
yeah, we may well have still been doing this episode of Lost Clubs, but on less happy terms. <laughs> I think that was had become a possibility uh, because football, uh, even at uh, never mind Northern Premier League level, but you can go down the the league system and there's an awful lot of money flying about being spent on players, which certainly at Albion, we simply did not have. We never had a benefactor. And so everything that was done was done through self-help, sheer hard work, and particularly ground improvements. I mean, we, I used to get a, a, a working party every Saturday. We used to rock up at 10 o'clock and do some concreting or painting or whatever it may be. There'd be about six, maybe eight at best. And then at five o'clock, we'd go up and watch the end of the cricket. I'd buy everybody a drink. It was the best money I ever spent because this round of drinks that I bought kept this workforce together for several years. And, you know, we, we did get things done, but it was getting more and more difficult. And of course, our, our committee managed, uh, however, I'm not sure, managed to keep the majority of a committee together for 30 years. Because having done that, nobody was getting any younger. You know, and people spending a day concreting or, or whatever it might have been wasn't getting any easier. No. I can imagine that. <laughs> right. Um, so nowadays, uh, obviously, uh, in, in, in your role at more of a club level, um, could you tell us what the United fans are like? Give us an overview. The Aussie United fans. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one. There, as I said, I, I think there was rivalry. Anybody who said there wasn't. You know, was not being honest with you, but there was there was obviously rivalry. There were bragging rights uh, to be gained within the town uh, until we next met. I hated, absolutely hated the derbies. Were fine if you got the result you were looking for. It was awful if you didn't, and it, sometimes it could take sort of four months before there was even the opportunity to put that right. But when when the merger came about, one thing I it, you mentioned North Ferriby. One thing I, I I would like to mention there was one situation where in the uh, Northern Counties East League Premier Division, Osset Albion and Osset Town were both in that. You you couldn't have scripted what happened, but there was a season where Osset Town were top. Osset Albion was second with the game in hand, and there was uh, one final game to go. This was uh, at North Therapy, which you mentioned earlier. Um, we, we, despite finances, we pushed the boat down, we out, we had a pre-match meal at the uh, uh, Holiday Inn and went to the game, 1-3-1, uh, uh, and therefore we were champions, town runs up. The very first person to walk towards me after the game and hold his hand out in congratulations was the chairman of Osset Town, 
at that time, Peter Wilkinson. And I've remembered that forever. You know, he must have been so disappointed. And yet, you know, he was a big enough guy to, um, to serve, be the first one to come and, uh, and congratulate us. Actually, the euphoria of that soon went because we've, Albion failed the ground grading criteria for promotion and the spot <laughs> was taken by the, the runners up who were Osset Town. So I'm sure they always the oldest one at the time on that. But, uh, but that was the sort of respect that I think was developing between, you know, between the two sides. And Peter Wilkinson was certainly a part of that. Even with Graham Firth after Peter, I often used to call in at the town club on a Thursday night. We, we, whatever problems I had as chairman, he had. You know, and it, it, was, it was quite pleasant really just to sit down and have a moan about ground grading. You know, why do we need a stand that will hold, you know, 500 people when we get 120? But that was the nature of the game. You know, ground grading is part and parcel of uh, the pyramid system. Um, so I, I, I did get to know quite a lot of the, uh, the town people in that way. And uh, sorry, rattling on, but it just the other thing, just before the merger, uh, it was World Cup year. And I, I, uh, I made a point of going to watch the games uh, up at Ingfield so that I, I got to know, uh, I knew club officials to a degree, but I also got to know quite a few of the supporters as well. And, and the other thing I think that did help was that a lot of supporters of both clubs didn't go to away games. They, they were actually, their allegiance might have been with Osset Albion or with Osset Town. But if Osset Albion were playing at Kendall away, that our, what would have been a travelling court, went to watch Osset Town and vice versa and therefore the supporters actually got to know each other because they visited one another's grounds stood with each other talked to each other and so on so that i think was a, a positive you know when the merger did actually take place my difficulty was i'm not saying that i don't like a drink <laughs> but uh what i found is that having had this this role of looking after, for want of a better phrase, um, the visiting club officials, I tended to use the, the club bar, still do, so that in order I can get their drinks in and, uh, and, and so on, you know. Uh, so, yeah, well, I think we, we had sort of got to know each other. And as I say, I, I just made the point of going up there when I could. And, uh, you know, yeah. that, that, that helped. I certainly arrived there, as it were, knowing, you know, Osset Town people a lot better than I, than I have done before. That's nice. Okay, so the final one, Neville, just to, um, just to finish us off, um, and this can be completely as random as you want it to be, can you tell us a particularly interesting story about your time at Osset uh, Albion? I'll do my best. Whether it whether it's interesting 
and not you you'll have to decide when you uh, <laughs> uh when you edit it um <laughs> i think well i wouldn't be surprised if Ossie albion hold the record if that's the right uh terminology for the most bizarre postponement that football's probably ever seen and um we had our mid our designated um midweek night was tuesday uh and uh we had one particular week uh, a tuesday game scheduled at home now the new owners had originally this grandiose scheme to uh develop the dimple wells complex into a um a really superior stadium uh, grants were being applied for plans were being drawn up and one of the things that had to happen uh, had to be um, a survey uh, and uh, as uh, the old Albion Dimple Bells ground was actually constructed or built on a landfill site um, they had to do core drillings uh, to see what they what the, the ground was like underneath the plane surface. So we've got the game on the Tuesday night and unannounced, uh, a team of workmen showed up on the Monday uh, prior to the game and the groundsman was doing his preparation with all kinds of drilling equipment. Uh, and they started these core drillings and the groundsman was going I mean, he, he, I once remember him threatening a visiting goalkeeper with a shovel just because he'd simply scratched marks, you know, to indicate where the posts were. And there we have these workmen drilling uh, 15 centimetre holes uh, all over his pitch. Uh, now, remember I said it was built on a land site, a landfill site, and often, if ever we had dug down, we used to find, you'll be too young to know this, but way back in the past there used to be glass bottles which had ribs on them and if you found one of those it was always a bottle that uh, had contained poison so the drillers come in they're no more than a foot down when they dig up a bottle which has got poison written on it uh, they continued drilling and hit something hard. Uh, the workman stopped, called for the foreman who came over and had a look. Uh, in his opinion, he determined that what they'd hit was a bone. And he was of the opinion that it could be uh, a shin bone. So worked grinds to a halt and he rings his boss who appears on site uh, within what seemed like minutes he had a look and he decided this needed uh, uh, further action and phoned the police the police came down they looked again the evidence in their eyes with one poison bottle and one fairly long bone so two more squad cars came complete with the tape, you know, where they cordon off a facility and declare it a major crime scene. 
which is exactly what they did, told us that this was going to be a lengthy investigation and we better postpone the Tuesday game, which we did. Um, the following, uh, they even had police officers on site overnight. I didn't think it was the cleverest idea, but they did stay in the bar all through the night. And the following morning, the forensic squad arrived. Um, the groundsman actually had told them that, you know, this poison bottle and the, and the bomb, he said, I'll just throw it over the wall. But it, it needed examining in case it was more sinister than that. Uh, in actual fact, it turned out that it was uh, somewhere decades ago, somebody had put the bones of a pig uh, in this landfill site and it worked its way up. But uh, we lost the Tuesday night game because of a bottle of poison and a pig's shingle. That's <laughs> best I can do for you. Wow. Uh, that's that's something, is that? Just and the other thing, a, a matter of, I suppose, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll call it pride. We did we did a, a lot of work on the ground, uh, but later on, it it was like playing hungry hippos. You know, we we solved one problem, not popped another, and it was just it was just like sticking plasters over. Um, you know, over cracks in the in the fabric of the buildings and so on. But when we did uh, get to grips with providing floodlights, new dressing rooms, uh, removed some old railway sleepers which were treacherous when it was wet, um, new terracing, all that kind of thing. We, the Northern Counties East League uh, were approached to stage. Um, a representative game between the FA and the combined services. And we were selected at, uh, at Albion to host that game, which was some reward for the work that those committee people had put in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, yeah. I mean, I'm still gobsmacked by the poison thing. <laughs> it's. <laughs> That's definitely a story I won't forget. We, we used to dig them up regularly. They were, they were all in that site. Uh, one guy collected them. He's uh, got a shelf in his garage full of these yeah. um, poison bottles. for listening to this Pint of Football podcast. We would like to inform listeners that the content of this podcast has been permitted for use in this podcast only, and the content is from the view of the individuals involved, not Pint of Football. Thank you to Phil Smith, Neville Wigglesworth, James Rogers, Andy Mathery, Craig Biddlestein, and Finella Kelly for sparing their time to help us with this recording. If you have enjoyed this presentation, please feel free to follow us on Twitter at POF underscore reviews, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash pint of football. Uh, we also have a website, pintoffootball.co.uk, I believe. And we have recently joined Twitch, where we will be streaming Football Manager, and that's twitch.tv forward slash pint of football. Thank you very much.
good. Delicious. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.